right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We got the cleanup hitter here. I want to call, say heavy hitter, but I, I don't. I didn't want that to be. I didn't want to. I didn't want Gary Player to get all upset about that kind of take or anything. But uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN, the deck of hitters. <laughs> here he comes! Oh my God, that's Kevin Van Valkenburg's music. Uh, oh, so okay. So we did a recap on Sunday afternoon after Tiger Woods won the Masters, which what still doesn't. <laughs> sound <laughs> right to say but it just we I, I don't think we could do it justice in the moment i thought if there's ever a instance in golf that called for a follow-up podcast to kind of try to bring this to terms it was this one and you were the only guy i could think of for the job kevin welcome to the show boom thank you damon <laughs> uh yeah i'm still a little bit uh, uh shocked myself um did that really happen it's funny i was thinking uh, about all the times i've been on this podcast and Tiger didn't win a major, and we spent half the time talking about Tiger. And now we get to talk about Tiger. It's <laughs> like it's uh, there's there's no one who could be like, oh god, could you guys just move past Tiger, please? Well, if not only that, all of those times that we talked about him are now validated in that Correct. we were talking about it, holding out this hope. This crazy hope that even looking back at it, I think was dumb to hold out the hope for, even after winning, <laughs> and, like it was the hope that this would happen, and it did. And I'm, I'm st- like, I took the entire day off Monday yesterday. I didn't look at anything other than trying to figure out why our Apple Podcast feed isn't working. Still, apologies mm. to that for anybody that's dealing with that. Um, but I just, I like, couldn't. I had to like get away from it. It was just like that was. Yeah. I feel like we peaked. I feel like that was. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's in some ways, it's like bigger than words. I remember Rick Riley talking about when Jack Nicholas won the Masters in '86 that all the um, all the writers afterwards were in the uh, in the old Augusta press room, and one of the guys was sitting there like mumbling to himself, like it's it's too big. Like I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's too big. And I I'm sure like have if I had been there, I would have sort of had similar thoughts of like how do you even begin to like put it all into context it's just the words uh are never gonna like really match what you saw with your own eyes and stuff so i you know i i'm happy to admit that i was uh one of the doubters one of the people who the haters uh, and losers of which the haters and losers (laughs) and uh i i think it's funny like people you know the the old freezing cold takes stuff has one of my tweets back then where I was, you know, like, man, like, I think this is over. And so all these people like come at me, you know, yesterday a few times. Oh, what's up now? You loser. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I'm happy to admit that I was done. And you know what? If tiger pinned one of those things on his fridge, and like Nicholas did in 86 and they said he was done, then I'll take some of that credit too. Like I'm happy to (laughs) sort of been a part of the motivation. Like I enjoy, you think for one second that I didn't enjoy the hell out of that yesterday, that even though like that I was more interested in being right than I was, you know, in seeing Tiger win again. Like what what kind of a just stupid take is that? (laughs) I, uh, I struggle on that one because I think like, 
I agree. I agree. I didn't think I didn't think this would happen. I don't think I ever said he's done. I don't want anyone to go back and listen to all the podcasts because there's probably a chance where I'd written him off at some point. But I at least I don't know. I, I did. I did not think this was possible. And the people that called him done. I see where you were. You had enough evidence there to really think that. And the one thing I kept coming back to was whenever Phil was asked about it. And it's beyond a token answer. Throughout all of this, you have to give Jack Nicholas credit. He was Mm -hmm. like, I I still think he can win. I still think he can win. I still think he can get my record. And we kind of laughed at it. Like when Tiger's on the operating table, like for the second time in (laughs) six months, like, yo, we still think he could beat you, Jack? Well, it turns out, yeah, he can because. I think what really scared people away, scared me away the most, was not even the injuries. It was Phoenix, and it was the chipping, and it was like, okay, all this crazy, embarrassing stuff that's happened to you, now you you suck at golf in front of our eyes. And that was the thing that was like, dude, the magic is gone. Like The game is gone. It is just totally washed over him. It turns out that was still more injury-related than we even realized at the time. I mean, I don't know. And again, I think it was even you that made the connection on the podcast about the potential of you know that the the painkillers that he was on or i i don't we don't really know what he was on but how that has to affect your nerves and your chipping ability and all these sensitivities that come with the game of golf and now looking back at it man it's it's this transformation is not something that we could have predicted in any way so i don't fault you for for calling him done uh but i mean i you could not have predicted this no one predicted this even the the believer of all believers could have said like yeah he's gonna come back and truly win the masters you know who else thought he was done it was tiger who thought he was done when he said at the champion's dinner right I'm done i'm done with competitive golf i will say my friend michael rosenberg who writes sports illustrated i remember talking to him years ago and saying you know nobody's ever come back from chipping hips nobody's ever come back from you know this kind of surgery or whatever and rosenberg was kind of like yeah but like nobody ever did what tiger did before mm-hmm. like you you're putting a weird standard on a guy who already sort of exceeded you know every expectation nobody ever won you know the us open by 15 strokes so i'm i'm not really quite ready to say like just because no one's ever had you know come back from the chipping yips and been great at chipping again that tiger's not going to do it and i was thinking about that yesterday i was like and that was a pretty good point. Like I, I got lost in the sauce a little bit there. <laughs> well, it's also like the the narrative. And I know you tweeted something about this too of having having him never come from behind to win a major, and like yeah. they were hammering that home. I was, I was kind of like. Well, you know what? Like none of this other stuff has ever really happened. Like he fused his back together. He was done for all intents and purposes. Like this, him being there is more miraculous than him coming from behind to win a major. So let's not like try to even uh, try to pretend that these trends matter anymore. Nothing matters anymore for him to be in that scenario. And like I don't know how to revisit the likelihood of that happening yesterday when I was looking up his stats or like I was looking at data golf, which I like to follow as a, as a day goes along on like who the chances of somebody winning, forgetting about all the chances of him getting to that scenario. He teed off on Sunday with a 17% chance to win. And through yeah. six holes, it was 11%. And through wow. 10 holes with eight holes to play, it was 14%. And it's like, it still wasn't likely that this would happen. And it still yeah. did. Does it feel any different than it did Sunday night after letting it simmer for a couple days? I think so. I mean, it just, you know, I'm sure like every Tiger fan kind of dreamed that this would happen and it would happen to the Masters. I I never thought like, you know, I think we were sort of in 
uh, in unison and thinking that he might could win a British or he could win a PGA, but that that course just hasn't suited him for for a long time. Or there would always be somebody there who would shoot like a great round, uh, and it's just it's too easy for someone to do what Cantley did and and have you put seven birdies together and all of a sudden it looks like they're going to shoot sixty five. And for him to so be able to kind of like not only overcome the people in front of him, but the people behind him, I just never thought that that was going to happen. And yet here we are. Like, I, I hope that we will be able to keep it in perspective in the sense of like, you know, well, I, what always used to bug me at the height of his sort of greatness is that like when Sports Illustrated was like the king of the world in golf coverage, they would every year like write a thing like, can Tiger win the Grand Slam this year? Hmm. And it's like, you know, yet there's a reason that like nobody ever won it in a calendar year. And he's the only person who ever did it four in a row. Uh, you know, the, the the Grand Slam that Bobby Jones won is a completely different kind of thing. But like, it's just, he, you know, he's not going to win all four majors this year. He might contend in another one. He, hell, he could win two. Whoa, who I'm going to draw the line right there because I'm ready to predict <laughs> that he's going to win all four majors. <laughs> You think is that is that being one of the haters and the doubters? Let me stop you right there from falling all over yourself again, KBB. But yeah, it does feel uh, it just feels you know surreal. I'm I'm so glad that it happened at Augusta because of the synergy, like with his dad and in the beginning. And it's just you know if he never wins another major again, that moment was was worth all of the the sort of misery and stuff that I think that we went through. I, I'll never say that it was went worth it what he went through, but like just being someone who appreciated what he did for the game, that moment was enough for me. I, I don't need to see him break Nicholas's record to feel like he's the greatest of all time. Like that was enough. He, he came back from that. I'm good that he's, he's won it now. I'm not, I'm not sure if I even believe this hyperbole that I'm about to say, but like, I just want to jam home the point again of how unlikely it was that this happened. I would almost be less surprised if he won the next three majors than I am that he won this one. Yeah. Like it just, it just didn't seem like it it was too fairy tale to like, Oh yeah, the masters is the one he's going to come back and win 14 years later. I mean, I was 19 years old when this, 18 years old when this happened for the first time, like, yeah. or the, for the last time. It, I don't know. It, and you wrote something about this, and I want to kind of get in some of these details. You had some stuff on Twitter. Uh, well, actually, let, let's back up. I want first thing you were, you were not at the Masters this year when you talked about what you were going to write uh, and, and struggling to figure that out. What do you think you would have written if you if you had to on Sunday night? Oh gosh, I think I would have just tried to write some kind of scene i think i could have i think i would have written like just 800 words about fathers and sons and daughters and and that moment behind 18 green and, and that's what i ended up sort of writing just a little bit on twitter about i mean that the the cyclical nature of that and how it made me feel uh i think was was a, a really channeling how a lot of people felt like you don't have to be someone who loves tiger to have been moved by that moment you don't have to you know you can be annoyed with some of his personal foibles and still feel something because as I sort of said a little bit, like Tiger's always kind of been a vessel for a lot of our feelings. Like it's, he he says his life. And I think sometimes this has been too big for him to handle, but his life says a lot about race relations and ambition and talent and, and the monster of fame and, you know, how we kind of like to see people, fall when they're at their heights and then we like to see them redeemed or or rebuilt uh and i always just think like great 
uh, stuff from majors is just, it, it's, it's something you use zero in with the microscope. You, you give something a really small, like I, everyone just saw Tiger won the masters. I don't need detail recounting like about the injury or whatever. I just want to read, you know, some moment about him and his, his family right there because of what that means and how it made me feel. I, I want to know kind of what, as you're watching him come off that green, I guess let me set it up with how kind of I felt and watching the true emotion. And I'm talking about the part bypassing when he's hugging his kids. Cause I, I still want to talk more about that, but it was hard for me to watch him walk down that, that walkway two fit, two fists in the air, smiling, cheering and hearing the raucous applause mm-hmm. and not like marvel at the, like not, not the irony is not the word, but just the, the spectacle of like, this guy that, by most accounts, for most of his life, that has not been a good guy. He has not been like a great person to root for. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people are so willing to forgive this, myself included, to be mm-hmm. caught up in this moment, to be so happy for him in that moment. I feel like a lot of people that root for Tiger are rooting pretty selfishly. They want yeah. it for their own sports-watching fandom, again, myself sure. included. But that was maybe the first time I ever watched Tiger win and felt like man like i am happy for that individual did you feel any of the same thing absolutely i mean i i was very much someone who did not root for him early in his career like i was more of a phil guy i just you know i i I felt like he was just so cold to people and so um so hard to kind of wrap my arms around that i I just felt like i was rooting for a machine you know the what what the, the famous quote about uh, um, Wilt Chamberlain saying nobody, you know, nobody roots for Goliath, and that's to me what Tiger was. But you know, in in a lot of ways, we came to sort of be thinking of Tiger as like the breath of our whole lives. Like you were, you, know, you were nineteen when he won uh, the U.S. Open, the last one, and I was nineteen when he won the first one, and so like that whole period of time, exp- like covers a huge part of our lives like you know different cities we moved to different people we fell in love with different heartbreaks we had different jobs we had and tiger was kind of there as a constant through all that and so in a lot of ways you're when you're seeing the arc of his life you can't help but think about the arc of your own life and so that's where like the emotional connection comes and then on top of that like i do think tiger is a a lot more appreciative of the love that he has from people now, like in the beginning, it was always, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this to kick ass and, and be a destroyer of worlds. But as he sort of came around this time, I really feel like he grew to love the kind of the feelings that people wanted him so badly to come back because of the the joy that he had given them. And so to see a person kind of come full circle and to appreciate how much people missed him and how much he meant to their sports watching lives is a really neat kind of thing. Before we continue on with KVV, I've got some exciting news from Callaway, their Chrome Soft X triple track golf ball. The golf ball you see Phil Mickelson playing with, you see those, those blue and red lines rolling on the green, instantly recognizable. 
they're coming to stores. They're going to be in stores starting April 19th. They, uh, the triple track is already on the ERC soft golf ball. If you're a fan of distance golf balls, that's a golf ball you're going to want to check out. But Phil plays the Chrome Soft X with the triple track. As soon as he saw the triple track, he asked Callaway to put it on the Chrome Soft. People have loved it, so they are now putting this ball available for sale. We just got a bunch of them. I've tried it out. It's really cool. So you probably can't tell just from looking at the ball, but if you look straight down on it, it looks as if the lines wrap all the way around it. And it really just feels like a, it's kind of hard to describe. Like there's a thick line that makes me have a little more confidence standing over putts. It makes me feel like I don't have as much pressure on myself to hit it truly end over end or hit it straight. So uh, it's helped my putting. It's helped Neil's putting. I know he's a fan of this golf ball. So uh, go to CallawayGolf.com starting this Friday. They are available for purchase. Let's get back to KVV. So, and again, on, on, on that note, you talked a bit about how it felt as a father to watch him win. I wanted to kind of start with what I felt as with him walking away and the, you know, some of his flaws as a character I want to do that first and separate out by any account I've ever heard. I I would guess that you've ever heard. There has never been a bad word said about Tiger as a father. And he raves about his kids. And I've talked to some players like, hey, that have played with him. Like, what do you talk about? He's like, man, kind of tough to talk to. But once you mention his kids, he perks up and talks about his kids. And I've always had that image in my mind, like, all right, this guy is a flawed guy um, for all these reasons, but watching him with his kids has always kind of given me a weird amount of joy. Yeah. So that moment when he comes off the green with that excitement and his son comes running under the ropes and hugs him, the son has never seen him win a major, kids have never seen him win a major, that moment hit me. That was like the moment of the entire week that hit me the most of like holy shit this is an incredible moment the the outstretched like the the thing that's hit me the most is like i think uh so much of his the when he his emotions when you see like him making a really emotional expression it was always like in excitement of like i just made this great putt like i just did this thing i'm fist pumping i'm in you know it's a sort of a combination of excitement and rage and that emotion as he's coming off the green there that's on his face is just pure excitement and joy it's just so i'm so happy that you were here for this and you're the only you know two people who really matter uh you know sam and charlie and that to me i just lost it like i was my daughter was sort of sitting on my lap and she was like dad, why are you crying? And I was like, it's just a long, it's a lot for me to contextualize in this moment, Molly. Like it's, it's hard for me to say why, but this is really like, I, you know, I, I just didn't, you see yourself in his shoes. Like, even though I'll never be anything like Tiger Woods for better or for worse, but in that moment, you can't help but think about your own sort of, uh, your own kids and your own joys and your own sort of wish that they would, be able to feel proud of you and celebrate you at your your best moments and so that's why i think uh just all around i mean people joke all the time about oh dads and golf boy aren't you you know nerdy dads who (laughs) okay yep uh guilty (laughs) you boy you got me there i'm I'm really you know if you were too much of a cynic that you were an asshole about that moment like i I don't have really any any business for hanging with you because that moment just is to me was one of the most genuine 
that I've ever seen in sports, period. And that's what I, I said it at the time, and I was worried about the hyperbole, but didn't really get – I got corrected by a couple people. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in sports, man. I mean, that's like the one guy that transcends golf into other areas of the game did it. And, and that was the only – looking back, it's the only way that could have happened. And it, I don't know. I, I don't feel bad saying it, that that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. We're all kind of here in the kill house just looking at each other like, is this actually – is this real? Is this actually happening? Because it – it didn't. Again, it's it's easy to look back at now that it happened, but it, you know, six holes to go. This was far from a lock to happen. I mean, yeah. um, well, there's a couple things I wanted to ask about too. Well, you, you had a comment on your Twitter. I, I was admittedly way behind on Twitter, but you referred to Molinari as Retief Goosen, and I felt the same way <laughs> watching him cut. Like uh, those putts were going in the center of the hole. Were you? How surprised were you to see him hit that ball in the water on twelve? I just stunned. I just couldn't believe. I mean, I. I still can't believe that all those guys hit the hole, you yeah. know, that, that Kepka did it. Uh, you know, Poulter was the one who sort of started it. Uh, Fiona did. It. I mean, I just feel like it was, I don't know, you know, what exactly snapped in Molinari's brain at that point. But if you, if he hits it over those bunkers, like where Tiger did and just plays it totally safe, there's a very real chance that he ruined this whole fairy tale. Like mm-hmm. he's holding the one stroke lead at that moment. Like there's maybe a chance that Tiger just is not able to catch him and he doesn't buckle. And the, the Goosen thing was sort of a reference to like, you know, Phil probably should have won the U.S. Open at Shinnecock uh, way back when it was there. And because he basically outplayed Goosen, who just couldn't hit like a green and and you think he one putted bacon rewatched it i think once and was telling us he one putted like 11 greens or something nuts in the u.s open like i you know the fact that you can that's sometimes how it happens you win a major when you don't when you aren't the kind of guy who plays the best on the final day you just happen to kind of do one thing super well and that's there the sort of synergy between or the, I guess the mirror image between 86 and this with Jack is that a lot had to really happen for Nicholas to also win that major. And a lot of guys had to sort of buckle under the moment and screw up in the, in the sense of like Seve had to hit it in the water from the middle of the fairway on, on 13, uh, on 15. And, you know, Tom kite had to hit it in the water and Greg Norman had to flare a four iron, like 40 yards, right of 18 green. And so you could see all that kind of happening. Like, you know, I don't know that like Tiger made them do that, but maybe the moment just sort of made them sort of feel like it was too big, too big to handle. I just Molinari was the last guy I would have thought he he basically had already stood up to Tiger and, and right. in this right. kind of moment and still you know did it. So I'm sure he'd like to have that one back. I don't know whether it was that, that shows you why that hole is so devilish, right. and so great. They've they've expanded everywhere else on the course. It's gotten longer. Golden Bells stayed essentially 150 yards for 50 60 years and it still terrifies them because short right is dead and long left is tough and i I still don't know why more guys don't choose long left or like just dump it in those back bunkers if you're that nervous but i guess they just they think like "Ah, i can make this shot i can step up and, and it just short right goes right into the drink well a couple things on that um i think three of maybe the biggest narratives in golf are about how the wind swirls on number 12, (laughs) on how the Masters doesn't start until the back nine on Sunday, and how much of an effect Tiger has on his playing partners. And that all swirled together into one (laughs) moment. And I was like, no way, because you just hear this so much that it's like, do I really even believe that Tiger has an effect on playing partners and that this shot is that hard? 
and we it, we got burned on that three years ago. Like I, I you know, with with Spieth coming up to twelve, I just didn't think mm-hmm. that he would hit that in the water. And li- literally, while Molinari's ball was airborne, it looked good to me while I was in the air, yep. and I was like, oh gosh, I said it out loud. I was like, he would there was he was never gonna miss that shot. And it hits the bank, it goes in the water, and everyone in the room just starts looking at me. I was like, oh, I mean, maybe he missed it, sure. But um, I want to share a DM I got. I won't share the guy's name because yeah. usually DMs, uh, they prefer not. But sure. somebody that was there, um, he said, DJ is on the 13th hole, and he is about seven feet from the ropes on 13. I guess he had hit it right, and he's waiting for Cantlay up on the green. And a huge gust came from, from 13T. So 13T was playing basically downwind. And a huge gust came as Frankie and Tiger are on 11 and Brooks is teeing off on 12. And DJ said it out loud, loud enough for the gallery to hear. He said, Jesus, I'm glad I'm through 12. So like at that part of the property or a little further away from those trees and kind of where 12 green sets back, he could feel that wind. And I think he kind of wondered like, whoa, I wonder if those guys can feel it from 12T. I thought that was a really interesting little nugget. that yeah. Because both Molinari and Kepka, they both looked pretty mystified mm-hmm. when that ball came up into the water. So, I think it's – I saw someone sort of tweeting saying, like, well, you sure don't want to hit first on 12. And I thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, that you have a better understanding of the wind. But what's what you realize when you're there is that, like – well, the hardest part about it is the gusts really kind of like it's almost like a canyon down there at Amen Corner, and the the trees hide enough of it to where gusts kind of just come ripping around the corner there, and so you just don't really know like there's no consistency to them. If any like PGA Tour player can handle like a steady wind that's blowing from one direction, but it's like when you're when you're getting like wind, no wind, wind, no wind, 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 no wind. Then that's what's so hard because some of there's some luck to it, and you know would Tiger have, you know, if he had stepped up first and hit it and had gotten a gust, maybe it blows his ball right towards the pin, you know, or maybe it blows it in the creek. Who knows? But that's why, like, I think we look for like fate in sports sometimes, and it's and it's almost always bullshit. But it's sort of fun to think about, like, in that moment, like. Yeah, you know what? Someone is up there thinking like, let's let's throw Tiger a bone here, and see if he can. Let, let's blow Molinar's ball, all these balls in the water, and see. And we're going to give it to Tiger, but we'll see if he can bring it home after this moment. That's why I think we're just living in a simulation. That's why it fe- that's what it felt like for that to actually actually come true. Uh, I want to share a tweet that uh, you had also written, and then I want to ask a follow up to it. You, your tweet said, "Prodigy, phenom, superstar, legend, Icarus, scandal." Punching bag, cautionary tale, charity case, relatable, medical miracle, doubt, promise, skepticism, stunner, joy. Oh, that was awesome. I was like, that's like that's like the arc right there. But what what were some of your favorite moments from the Tiger era from 2008 to 2019 before he won the Masters? <laughs> oh man, I mean. I'm partial to the double ACL surgery his dog had to have, Taz, back in 2015, I think. Which, if you guys haven't done it, go back and listen to the Trap Draw episode. I know I said this in the last one, but the Trap Draw from last, I think, August, episode 17, where we just did the story arc of all the things Tiger's done off the course since 2008, and it was was a blast. It's post-scandal. I think, honestly, like, it. I don't think he's ever been more mortal as a golfer than that day he was at congressional yeah. and our buddy porath was there and they had him hit three balls <laughs> on that towards the par three and he hit three in the water 
and the fact that like the the guy the whatever made it i forget who it was you know some promotional guy is like oh no no tiger take one more chance (laughs) like rolls another ball to him and what's Tiger gonna do at that point but like nah man like my back's killing me like i'm not gonna but then he he hits another wedge like in the water and just the eerie uncomfortable silence of like oh my god it's like what happened here to this guy this guy used to be able to just throw darts at things uh that to me is like such a human moment i think you know it no matter how good or how bad you are on a golf course you've stood there over the ball and just been terrified at one point of like i can't do this like i don't you know and nobody was ever better at wiping those thoughts out than him and so like just seeing that oh god that was so uncomfortable and to think that that guy came back and won the masters just (laughs) blows my mind it's god i still can't believe it i still can't believe it all right, I got some questions first, Mr. Player. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on uh, hitting it past Jack again on the ceremonial opening tee shot. Walk us through what how, how special it was to be out there that Thursday morning. Well, some people yesterday was were saying that I had we had tied the previous year, but uh, we all know who won this one, Chris. You know, if you if you can't hit it past old Gary Player, you ought to be out selling beans. <laughs> <laughs> Fitter than ever, I say. <laughs> well, what did you think of uh, Patrick Reed? Looked a little slimmed down this year. Did they have to uh, take his coat in again? Or did you say anything to him at the champions dinner? What uh, I I told him take his coat in early and make him wear it down like he's like he's an overstuffed balloon and he'll lose the weight. Shame is a great motivator, Chris Sullivan. <laughs> well, there's some rumors going around. Uh, I don't know if you saw Kira Dekapi Bonrat hit a hook around a tree there on the back nine on one of the days and fell over, that he may have injured himself. Do you have any any insight as to what may have happened to him there? Dear God, I mean, it was like watching one of those like lo- those punching bags like tumble to the ground as it just flailing away. I mean, it was a fabulous shot, but dear God, man, you'd, you'd want it like, to just have someone Photoshop in Gary Player instead in that moment so you could better appreciate it. <laughs> I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to ask an Elmo question related question, so I, I had some Gary Player ones prepared. But good, good. <laughs> um, uh, we, so we got a bunch of Twitter questions I want to get through. Um, Nick Anderson asked a great one: uh, Why does Bubba put a mark on his yellow golf ball? <laughs> In case he happens to, you know hit up on the green and there's four other guys who just you know maybe in Bubba's mind everyone plays a yellow golf ball he just doesn't he's never paid any attention to anyone else's uh, deal just another oddity that that is Bubba I guess you know probably habit of all weeks having put a mark on it there was that brief moment when he what eagled 15 oh god where I was like oh god this is the worst case scenario (laughs) this is it right here when he birdie he goes full Schwartzel and birdies every hole coming in and there's a where's a third green jacket like ooh. well i yeah. i warned this in the preview episode i said like just be cautious on sunday of overvaluing somebody's position on the leaderboard if they've gone through 15 and 16 because yeah. those are the birdie holes and you can get higher up on the leaderboard and make it look like you're tied for the lead but really tiger hadn't finished 13 14 15 and 16 yet and sure enough it happened i'm like oh my Oh my God! Is Bubba going to win the Masters? Is he going to actually yeah. go? That was the fear, and uh, having all of us seen that Schwartzel thing happen in third and eleven, like that that possibility of somebody just running away and hiding and birding, like it could have been Kepka. I mean, Kepka had good yeah. looks on seventeen and eighteen. Um, what did you What did you think of? You know, Kepka had a pretty tumultuous week leading in from Brandel spewing some hot fire, <laughs> and uh, we got a question. I'm struggling to find it right now, but. 
kind of why why do people find it hard? <laughs> I guess I might have answered it right there, but why does this particular listener find it? It's Will Holmes. He said, "Why is it so hard to root for Kepka when he's such an incredible player?" Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I have sort of uh, kind of embraced Brooks. Like I, uh, it's funny. Like when watching with my daughter, she would have for whatever reason. She's just nine years old. She really likes Brooks. She doesn't know anything about him, but she just just when she's watching his golf game. It's like, oh, Brooks is my favorite player. Like, she was way more rooting for him than Tiger. And so, like, if you just look at the golf game, if you're nine years old and you're ignorant of anything else, like, he's awesome. But uh, I do think that a little bit of his cockiness doesn't really have a lot of, like, humor to go with it. Like, Phil is cocky, obviously, but he also is willing to kind of poke fun at himself yet. And Brooks doesn't quite have that... Thing. Like even DJ kind of cracks jokes about himself a little bit. And so I think maybe Brooks would, people would be more willing to open up if he had a little bit more of a sense of humor about himself, but he just doesn't. I didn't, I mean, you know, Brandel's take about how he's going to fall apart, I thought was sort of silly. And, you know, but that's, Brandel felt like he had backed it up with, you know, experience and research and all good. You know, we, I think we both agree that we love Brandel. Uh, but, I don't know. I, I was stunned that Kepka did not uh, close stronger. Just seeing him hit in the ball and water on 12, to me, was was surreal. I mean, that, to me, was like when Seve hit it in the water on 15 uh, in 86, because, like, Seve was, you know, probably should have won that Masters, and or, or certainly Norman. And, like, it, it just – I never thought Brooks would flinch in that moment – because he'd never flinched before when he'd been in that situation. And I don't know, like, Will... I, I once compared Kepka to, like, Hogan and saying, like, oh, like, maybe he's our version of Hogan, like, just a sort of a really surly kind of, you know, I'm not I don't really here to be your friend, I'm just here to kick your ass kind of guy. Uh, and, and sort of the more modern version of, like, just pound the shit out of the ball kind of version of that, not have, like, a pretty metronome swing, but just a guy who just unloads driver. I don't know, maybe... maybe Brooks will be more, you know, when Brooks is going for eight majors or whatever, and he's come back from his own scandal or something down the road, that people will be <laughs> Channing Brooks and willing to be excited about him. Breaking but. news. You heard it here first. <laughs> every The thing is, is like almost every player is thinking about this. We, th- we tend to think of like, you know, career arcs as like a straight line. And it's just not like every single player over time goes through some huge highs and lows, some, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, they have something go poorly in their family or their marriage, or, you know, they they have issues with their kids or they, you know, they blow their fortunes or something like you're talking about, you know, a, a normal human beings. And we think, you know, that just because they're really good at golf, they're not going to be affected. I mean, Jenkins, Jen Jenkins sort of said that the only thing that was going to stop, uh, Tiger from breaking Nicholas's record was a bad marriage or uh, injury. And uh, Jenkins was wrong about a lot of stuff, especially Tiger, but he was sort of right on those two things is that like those two things that we never really could have seen coming were what kind of derailed Tiger's career. So it's very possible that Brooks is, has something like that looming in the future. It's very possible that like Rory and Spieth are going through like their own sort of searching in ways that we never could have anticipated when they were just kicking ass. And that's why you can't, you can't sort of predict anything is going to happen in golf. It's someone's always going to have something on the horizon. That's 
totally unseen. I think where I net out on Brooks is like I'm struggling with for a comp for him. You know, and I know you mentioned Hogan there. I, I'm not sure if that's it. I think it's 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 a bad comp. No, I know what you mean. I know what you similar. mean there, but it's it's I almost think like it's almost Oosthuizen. You know, yeah. um, just in that this big game hunter that has showed up in so many big moments. And I, and I think we, I don't know, the fa- what, you, what, you, what you touched on there about him winning three majors and thinking, you know, we haven't seen him falter down the stretch. It's like, this was way more likely to happen than him winning three straight majors. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's way more likely that guys will have up and downs, even even if you've already won it. We've seen this a lot with, with guys recently. Spieth winning in 15, we thought he was going to close 16. That's what made it so shocking was like, Oh, he yeah. can't be nervous here now. I mean, he's already done this before. Surely that he'll do it again. But that's just not the way things work out. Going back to Retief Goosen, he wins it in 2001 at Southern Hills and wins it 2004 at Shinnecock and then was supposed to win it at Pinehurst the next year and just fell apart on that Sunday and gave it to Michael Campbell. Like It, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's always going to happen that way just because it's happened for you in the past. And that almost kind of... Uh, this one slipping away from Brooks made the first three even more impressive to me it like made him even less fluky it's like no this guy's actually stepped up and done it three straight times and that was putting into perspective how hard it is to actually close and win these things so i think what you what we don't realize is like as good as nicholas was like he finished second 20 times like he didn't (sighs) always win those ones that he was in and that's why tiger always said you know i just i just need to put myself in contention to give myself chances. And he was right. Like eventually, like you can't, you can't be just absolutely nails every single time out and you're going to falter. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad swing uh, or a bad bounce even. And so, you know, Brooks will probably go back to winning a couple majors over the course of his career, maybe a bunch, you know, maybe only a few more, but you know, this, he's going to also be, have ones where he blows because that's just how golf works. I mean, Tiger had ones with, he let slip away and he's a pretty good closer. Yeah. I mean, Tiger's only got seven runner ups in majors and four third place finishes to go with 15 wins. And Nicholas had like 19 runner ups and 17 third place finishes. I don't know. Again, I, I said this before, I don't know what it means, but it's not like he's had a ton of close calls. If anything, I think he's tre- tended trended more on the lucky side of these things falling his way than he has really gotten yeah. screwed out of any of them. But he's yeah. also, f- I was thinking like, just sorry, like, you know, like if rich being the whole, when I was thinking about the um, part about, Oh, he's never come from behind to win a major. Well, that's some of that is because like Michael Campbell happened to sort of like hang in there and, and Piners when he was chasing like, and, and rich beam happened to, make an incredible freaking I think Eagle uh, at the PGA that one year at Hazeltine when Tiger was birdied like four in a row to come right at him. Like the, you know, Y Yang stood up to him when no one would imagine that that dude was ever going to, you know, Tiger could have scraped it around and shot 72. And most of those times won that, uh, won that PGA. And so like he had a, a few guys who just were able to kind of say like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going away. Phil did it a couple times to him at the masters. So you know, it's it, you just no one's gonna be. It isn't like Michael Jordan. I always think that Michael Jordan so much he he's ruined our perspective of like what an alpha should be in sports because he had six shots at the finals and he won all six. Right. But it's not like that in golf. Like Michael Jordan also lost a lot to the Pistons and the Celtics and all those fights on the way up, and that's like the equivalent of like a golfer losing, you know, finishing fourth or whatever. Like just because. Jordan made it to the final six times didn't mean that he was like 
every time he had a chance to win a major, you know, if he was a golfer, he would have won it. Right. And that that's the separate argument where the defending I've done of LeBron in the past of how many times he's lost in the finals. Yeah. It was like, okay, would you rather have him lost in round two? Like, is that better? Like, making some people would. Yeah. Some people are that dumb, you know? That's why I always think, like, yeah, close calls in golf mean something. That doesn't mean, you know, it, it is as much as we place so much value on the winner it is not all about winning events in golf which again makes tiger's record of winning them even that much more impressive so steve klein had a great question do we need to discount everyone else's record from 2014 to 2018 while tiger was injured <laughs> uh no does that put, I mean, put an asterisk on all rory's uh majors <laughs> or two oh of them my goodness. <laughs> uh no i mean you you get the majors that you get you know, yeah. you, you have the field in front of you. Uh, they're hard to win regardless. And, uh, you know, uh, hey, Tiger played in that uh, Chambers Bay major that uh, that Spieth won. I think he played, uh, he played the Masters that, that year, too. Yeah, that's right. He yeah. competed. So, he he was, was up there. He was around. He was there. You know, he, he played at Shinnecock uh, when Brooks won. And he did actually OK in all the other majors. So, you know, it's hard to say that. Uh, you know that one shouldn't count either. I mean, all this like, oh, it shouldn't count. Like that's it's a funny question to sort of ask because we know it's like not deep down, not serious. But some people who are huge Tiger fans like think that way. Like uh, if you didn't beat Tiger, you know, I remember listening to this years ago, way before I worked at ESPN, like an ESPN radio thing, and there was like a debate about when Phil was um, he was on the cusp of winning. I can't remember which major it was, but Tiger was like way out of it. I think it was, I don't know, it might have been winged foot and Tiger might have missed the cut that year. And so it looked like Phil was going to win winged foot. People are saying, well, if he wins this one, does it really count? Because <laughs> Tiger was was way back. Tiger wasn't in contention. Like, should it really? Like, uh, Yeah, I think it counts. He win the freaking U.S. Open. It doesn't matter what Tiger's doing. Good God. Yeah. Oh, let me give him the career grand slam and and uh, and doesn't count in everyone's eyes because Phil, you know, Tiger wasn't around. That was that was right after his dad died. He that was like the only cut yeah. he missed for like yeah. in majors for a, a crazy long period of time because he came in so unprepared. But um, I it did remind me about golf, Tiger always brings in non-golf people to have like golf debates oh, God. and it, it makes for such terrible arguments sometimes it's, it's like almost comically bad uh you know well you know you say that but we got maybe my one of my favorite takes ever which came from skip bayless on uh, the fox one of the fox sports previews a couple years ago um mm-hmm. which was you know was ricky fowler tall enough to win at aaron hills <laughs> He's like, I'm, too short to win a he's major. too short to win a major, which was, oh, it's just Italian chef kissing hands right now to that. That was my favorite. I, I used to get really bad when those would come in. And um, like some people came in this weekend, you know, from NFL and whatnot. Like, oh, my, no one does a better job with golf than CBS. Nick Faldo <laughs> is the best analyst in the game. And I was like, um, if I came in and swooped in an NFL Sunday at the Super Bowl and was like, oh, Phil Sims is the best at this, how well do you think that would go over? <laughs> I, it's funny because me, because I cover football too. And so it's like I get the rare crossovers of that. Yeah. And I, I think I, like my my boy Rich Eisen, who I Yes, love, that's who that I'm referring to. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to like DM and be like, my man, like we need to have a talk. This ain't it, dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Faldo is uh, Faldo is Faldo. I mean, uh, I'm so glad. I think we we were sort of you retweeted what I said this on Twitter, but I'm so glad that neither Nance nor Faldo said anything 
in the two minutes after the last uh, putt went down, and they just let the moment sort of speak for itself. Who knows if if they had some restraint there, or if someone in CBS like <laughs> cut their mics. <laughs> I, I want to someday write an oral history of the CBS producer who cut their mics, or at least cut foul. Those it was the but. guy from Forrest Gump at the Vietnam the Vietnam rally, just <laughs> ripping the cords out. That was it. Was perfect. It was perfect. It was, it was like, and yeah, that moment delivered bigger than I could have imagined it delivered delivering. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of uh, macho men here that uh, made me really really fight against crying. And I I would like to report I did not cry, but. You being around your daughters maybe apparently was uh, enough to bring you down. Yeah, but. it was not <laughs> when someday when you have children, when uh, you know when Charlie Woods wins one, and you're sitting there with your kids and he's hugging Tiger, then you'll you'll allow yourself. That'll that'll happen pretty easily. Doug Walker had a question: If the shot on 16 had dropped, would it have been the greatest, most famous shot of all time? He said, "I was there. The ground started to move as it neared the hole from the sound. It was incredible." I'm gonna say yes. I would have to uh, think so. I mean, I saw our our buddy uh, Sean Zock was tweeting about how I uh, wrote a thing about how the 16 pin is bad and how um, maybe it needs to be a different place. I totally disagree. Yeah, like, I, I love, I love that you hit that slope. Uh, it's coming down there. It's got a chance. Like that's just it builds for drama. I don't care if it's like an easy shot. Like okay, make the easy shot. Like Brooks didn't hit it on the right side of the slope. And so, you know, maybe it was bad luck or whatever, but it, that was, I thought it was going in. I don't know if you thought it was going in, but in that moment I was like, oh my God, oh, yeah. this is, this just happened. Like this is a, it, this is another kind of repeat of like the past of like, this is like 2005 in the chip, but <laughs> better. Imagine what, what, if, what would Vern have said if that had gone in? Like, <laughs> I don't even think he could have said anything. I don't think he would have heard him if he was, if he said anything. I, what would Tiger's? I was thinking about this this morning. What would Tiger's reaction have been? Like he he's still got two holes, right. you know, to play. Uh, you know, he's got a three stroke lead or whatever at that point. Like, would he have gone bonkers? Would he have been able to sort of restrain himself? Like, I don't know. Like that. Okay, so Big Randy had a thing like when the little gimme he had on eighteen. He should have scooped mm-hmm. it and walked away from the game forever. If he'd have aced that, <laughs> that he definitely should have. He should have walked off. <laughs> He should have walked across the water, picked the ball up out of the hole, thrown it, and then retired and just left. <laughs> Said, I've, I've beat golf. Yeah. I'm, you know. um, to that point, that shot on 16, I don't – it's easy, but it's not in that you have to get it in the right spot. And there is kind of a bowl there, but you can get it within the bowl and use the slope, but that doesn't always leave you the easiest putt. If you hit it too long, you end up above the hole, and that's kind of what happened to Spieth in yeah. – um, was it 16? He, he, you know, he had birdied 16. 15. And if he birdies 16, he gets within one of the lead, I think. And he's yep, Porter and I were standing right there. Yeah. And it looked like in the air like he was going to dunk it. And then it we left a really impossible putt coming back, like a really hard-breaking uh, left-to-right putt. And that kind of where they put that pin is uh, it's just in a weird spot. Like it, it's hard to use that slope and leave it in a spot where you have a really easy putt. Yeah, when it's two feet, it's pretty easy. But even if it's five feet, it's not like an easy putt. And – the guys that miss that bowl, it, it, I just I love shots that have kind of that dividing line of this isn't that hard to get it in this spot, and if you do, you're probably going to get rewarded. But if you miss this, you are punished severely. And having guys having to deal with those nerves, and Bone said something on the podcast last year uh, around the for a Masters preview about how how much Phil had watched like videos on YouTube of guys in the pressure on Sunday at the Masters and watching them go long, and he's just like, man, there's just something 
in the air on that 16th. And he's like, honestly, I know this sounds crazy. There's a lot of people there. I don't know if there's like a lack of oxygen in that little part of the, of the, of the property, but the ball goes further on Sundays. We just have no idea why. And I think it was in 2004 they had, uh, so maybe it wasn't YouTube that they were watching this on, but had seen highlights, whatever. 2004, he says, all right, let's, we're putting it into theory. Let's, we're, I, this is as, I might get the clubs wrong. This should be a seven iron. We are hitting eight. And he hit eight and stuffed it. And it made no sense for it to be an eight iron, but it was. And watch Xander Shoffley. I think it was Xander Shoffley went long. He, he was kind of staring it down and he was a younger guy and he went long on that Sunday. I had, I immediately thought back to that quote. Yeah. I remember Duvall, uh, Duvall hit it long in the water on 2001. Like Duvall was like in that Masters where Tiger completed the slam, Tiger and Phil and Duvall were all kind of dueling at one another. And and Duvall was like leading, I think, at the, that moment. And it looked like he, it was like he was going to kind of close it. And he just basically hit a hard like draw. And he could not believe it, that it, it went so far that it went into the water long. Not, you know, like bounced right, but like where it goes past the bunker or whatever. And when, uh, two things real quick. Uh, one on the recap episode, I said that Xander bogeyed 15 and 18 to lose the masters by one. I was dead wrong on that. Uh, thank you for those okay. correcting me. I was looking at the round three scorecard for some reason. That's what you get for yeah. trying to piece that together quickly. Uh, in four, right. Once it says, he says, please, please, please talk about the guy who won a million dollars betting on tiger. <laughs> Do you know much about this story? I saw the headlines and the guy was like $25,000 in debt and bet 85 K on him and won a million bucks. Oh, wow. I didn't see that he was in debt. Yeah. I, what I loved about that is, uh, for a long time, you know, tiger was the sucker bet in right. majors. And so casinos or, or sports books, whatever, made a ton of money on people who were like, oh, man, I'm going to bet Tiger. I don't even follow golf, but I love Tiger. I'm going to bet. And just were basically like lighting their money on fire because most of the time, like you were never, you know, even in his best, he was winning whatever, 18% of the majors. And this time I love that like Tiger soaked them because (laughs) that there's, Casinos like looking in the couch cushions for <laughs> coins to sort of meet this tiger obligation. So th- that's a little bit of an enjoyable payback uh, in the situation. I don't remember where I saw this, but I saw a tweet fly across on Sunday that just said Vegas about to grab their ankles right now. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. Um, we got a good question from Josh Borsaic. I think I may say that right. Over under 6.5 years until Tiger finally embraces his baldness and goes full buzz or shave. So I was talking about this with my girlfriend. Like, you know, I, I don't understand in some ways why he hasn't done it already. And she was like, you know, not everybody looks good, like, with their shaved head. Like, he, you know, Jordan was able to pull it off because he was, like, a really handsome dude naturally and he in his whole arc of his career was like uh you know he, he was a bald guy essentially or he was wore it so tight that essentially going bald was not any different what do you think tiger would look like if he buzzed it tight like i you know i'm su- i'm just surprised honestly that he hasn't embraced it uh considering he was a jordan guy anyway and, and uh i think he would I think it would look okay, but I don't know. It just maybe it just takes some getting used. This to. is the easiest one ever for me. He needs to shave it again and then dye it blonde, like he did back in the mid two thousands when he looked like Juntao from Rush Hour. Like everybody wins in that scenario. I don't see what the possible reason against that would the be. The picture, the picture after Trump was uh, 
elected but not <laughs> yet sworn just in, getting there where it's it's the mac daddy santa thing and they're playing together. that is the one of the most surreal pictures ever of tiger with the the big blonde goatee and the blonde hair and trump and his like hair is like sticking out sideways and he's barely stuffing in his shirt like that is you could not have shown anyone that picture in 2000 and been like let me tell you about what's happening to these two guys <laughs> over the next 20 years because it's wild, man. As soon as I saw Trump's tweet on that he was giving Tiger the Presidential Medal of Freedom, <laughs> I was like, you mean that guy that showed up in the Mac Daddy Santa to play golf with you? Like, I, it was, I, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> also, like, I mean... Could Trump like try to steal the moment for himself anymore? Like I'm giving you this medal. Like just be quiet and let the man have his moment. Yeah. Like this is this is something that like Obama gave to Charlie Sifford when like he was like 85. Like what? <laughs> what exactly does I, I love Tiger? What has he done to get the Presidential Medal of Freedom at this moment? I don't. Know. It's an odd thing. Uh, a couple more here uh, quickly. One, and this may be incredibly obvious, but I don't think I've really. I heard it talked about in this in this realm yet of t- not only is you know Tiger's three short major wise of Jack now he's one short of the green jacket total one more major he's got five, right. five to Jack six which is kind of kind of remarkable. Um, yeah. Neil Smith asks, we know Jordan Spieth's ceiling is crazy high, but how low is his floor? How much further down the official world golf rankings will he go before turning around? Ooh. Boy, this is a heavy question. I don't know. I, I was, uh, I think I floated this question in our uh, chat uh, when we briefly thought that um, it looked like Spieth was like talking to Sean Foley about something. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, I like Sean Foley. Really, he's a great interview. Uh, and obviously, whatever he's done with Justin Rose has worked great. Uh, the last thing you want is like a young player to start like thinking like, Oh man, like let me rebuild my swing and go with a completely different philosophy. Right. Like to me, as long as Spieth sticks with Cameron McCormick and kind of keeps figuring things out, like he'll come back and get hot again. He just may be the kind of player who goes through, you know, sort of searching periods. And that's, you know, some of his uh, inability to hit it super far and his inconsistency with, or his, his streakiness with the putter or whatever is just going to make him that kind of player. I mean, it, on some level, does it matter how far you fall in the world rankings? Like, who gives a shit on some level? As long as you're good enough to get into the tournaments you want to play, the WGCs, like, or whatever, it's not like Speed's going to, like, in danger of losing his card or he's not going to be exempt for majors or whatever. So I think if he, if he even if he kept falling, he could still sort of, like, play professional golf and figure it out until he kind of... Got again. What, what you're if what we're asking is is Spieth going to keep falling forever and lose it? No, I don't think so. And then if as long as you accept that premise, then I don't think it matters like what his world ranking is. Like if he's 40th in the world, no one having seen him be the number one player in the world, I don't think anyone thinks he's you know the 40th ranked player in the world. But you know he might he might just be a top 10 player for the rest of his career, and that's. You know that that's that's okay. Yeah, I would say so. Top ten in the world at this sport. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. I think I'd like to be top ten in the world and whatever it is I do. I have I have complete faith in him. Um, yeah, my good friend Jordan Speed told me on our on the podcast that, <laughs> that uh, the, his swing is figured out. No, it, 
it, honestly, you take away that front nine on Thursday, which I know you can't do. Yeah. It's part of the deal. You can't if you took away every player's worst nine holes. You know, it would sound a lot like the same, but it put him behind the eight ball and he played a lot of really good golf to make it, you know, to get back in contention, not in contention, but to make it respectable. Um, so it was a, a, a fine showing, but kind of a microcosm of his season of a lot of good going on, but man, the bad when it's bad is not, it's, it's so bad that it can't be overcome and, and you can't really yeah. contend. So last one, when he's, he's, he's going to come attend at Pebble. I, I promise you. Right I like that. that. No, that's my opinion. last one. I want to get uh, your thoughts, Mr. Player on CBD oil. It seems to be, uh, all the rage there on the, uh, on, on the circuit. Have you, have you dabbled in it at all yourself? CBD. I've never heard such a thing. I, I would I, sometimes I would go to the, the the garage and just take a little sip of motor oil and see like how tough is Gary Player deep down? Let's <laughs> let's test his intestines and and see if you know if he's just going to process this right through. If he's going to be rolling in pain and lose five more pounds that he can't drop stomach oil sickness. What what is CBD oil? I don't even again. I know Toronto's tweeting about the gum thing and like it's all the rage amongst the players privately. But what I don't get it. What is it? Exactly? It's kind of like uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's just like a calming. It's kind of like THC. Um, God, people that actually know about this are probably going to have their heads spinning with my explanation of it. But kind of like THC, but it's totally legal and it just is like a kind of helps relieve anxiety and. Just watching kind of Tiger's, um, and I don't, I'm, I cannot confirm or deny that he is on CB, taking CBD or sure. anything, but we saw Phil take a turkey baster to his tongue at one point this week. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I don't think it was cough syrup. But uh, yeah, it's supposed to just kind of relieve anxiety. Maybe it helps with the nerves when you play golf. Maybe we should try it. I don't know. Maybe we need a CBD sponsor or something like that. But um, uh, for the for the for the listeners. Sometimes I'll give a little a little warning to KVV on what we're going to team up for Gary Player. I gave no warning on anything this week. So the motor oil came out of nowhere and did not see that coming. I, I was saying before I wanted to I would be happy being a top 10 uh, player in the world at anything. I I think maybe I'm sneaking the top 10 in terms of Gary Player impressionists, oh. you know. Maybe maybe Connor Sketchers, I don't know where you'd rank exactly, but uh, I think I'm I'm somewhere in the top You're 10. The, the best Gary Player impersonator on this podcast for sure. So that is a fabulous honor. <laughs> well, so Well, KVV, thanks uh, for jumping on this morning and helping us kind of put this historic moment in golf. I have no problem saying that. I think it may be obvious, but this moment into perspective for us and uh Makes me you made me feel even better about all the things I was feeling internally about what we just witnessed. So, you know what? Sometimes sports, Sally, we get to experience just really cool shit, and uh, I, uh, I I will be forever sort of thankful for all the fun sort of conversations that we've had about Tiger that was sort of building up to that Masters because it made it all the more worth it. Because really, like everyone everywhere was having those same conversations about Tiger, uh, and and in some ways, like we're almost like traffic cops kind of directing some of that where it goes. And so whether it was humorous or silly or whatever, all the payoff was there. And, you know, I, I, I I don't know. It's hard. It's weird to be happy for someone you don't know. Like I've, I've talked to Tiger in press conferences. I've, you know, so I certainly don't know him like, uh, but I, I was really happy for him in that moment. It was just kind of a, a cool thing. And that's why it's, sports is undefeated, man. You just can't, yeah. you can't, uh, you can't beat it. That was the best. I, I'm glad that this is my living. If, if you had to guess what line I'm going to end this with, what, what line I would choose, what, what would you guess? Can you guess it? Oh man. 
Um, What's the one question I've been asking our group text for years and years and years? But what if he won? But what if he won? won. You got to think of a new one now. I know. (laughs) Or I might just say that one every day again until he wins another one. God, you said that when he played in the Bahamas, right, for the first time? So it was like... That's wild. Here we are. <laughs> and he did. It's been a hell of a it's journey. It's been a ride. KVV, thanks for the time, man. Cheers. Always, buddy. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect any